Well, good morning once again. We are in the fourth week of a series as we look at the life of a man named Joseph. And we've been talking about this really, really important question that I think his life and his story forces us to ask. And it's how could someone or how would someone in my situation, how would someone going through my situation right now with my kids, with my life, with my job, with my divorce, whatever that situation you find yourself, how would someone in my situation respond if they completely trusted God? And one of the things I think this story brings to the forefront of our minds so powerfully is the idea of hope. And hope's kind of an interesting thing, but here's how Webster's defines hope. A feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. And secondly, a feeling of trust. See, hope is based on your ability to see. But not just your ability to see what is. It's your ability to see what could be. It's based on your ability to look beyond the here and the now and see what could be one day. And that's difficult. It's difficult because in our minds it feels like we're dreaming. It feels like we're imagining a world that is not even a possibility, especially when you find yourself in those really difficult places. See, here's my my assumption, is most of you have been in a place where it felt like darkness was surrounding you. It was the diagnosis, it was the divorce, it was the death. On the other side, you're sitting there wondering, how am I even going to make it through tomorrow? And if you have not been there, I would just say, file this away today. Because one day, you are going to need it. Because if you have not been there yet, one day, you will be. There's going to come a time when it feels like darkness is all around you, where you're alone, where you're searching, where you're looking for answers, and you don't know where to turn. And I think this story of Joseph brings to the forefront of our minds this idea of hope, the ability to look beyond the here and now, the ability to look beyond our circumstances, the way things are right now, and see what could be. To see beyond today and see and imagine a better tomorrow. But the greatest enemy of hope is despair. The greatest enemy of hope is despair. Because when we are in those difficult places, one of the most typical things that happens is we have a tendency to look down. We, we look down, we stop, we, we lose our ability to see forward. We lose our ability to see what could be, to imagine how things could look. Because the circumstances that surround us at that time seem so overwhelming. So I want to kind of catch you up. If you're new to the series and you're jumping in, you can go back to our website and you can find the first three weeks of the series. But I want to kind of catch you up real quickly in the story of how we've gotten to this point where we find Joseph today. 
So it begins like this. Joseph told it, Jacob gifted it, and the brothers envied it. And Joseph said, I have a dream. The brothers sold him, Potiphar embraced him, Mrs. P seduced him, his master sentenced him, and the warden lifted him. And the whole time, the whole time, through all the ups and the downs, the Lord was with Joseph. And so we find ourselves in the story as Joseph is in prison and he's been lifted up and, and elevated to a position of power by the warden. And so we're going to begin in chapter 40, verse 1. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer, the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. In the same prison where Joseph was confined, the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had its own, a meaning of its own. And so they come down to breakfast the next day, and Joseph can see that something is wrong, that something does not look right for the cupbearer and the baker because he spent so much time with them. And they said, well, we had this dream and Joseph says, you know what, I'm pretty good with dreams. Why don't you tell me the dream, and I'll tell you what it means. And so the cupbearer steps up first, and he says, I had this dream that there was a vine growing, and on that vine there were three branches, and on, that bran on the branches there were these ripe clusters of grapes, and I started pulling the grapes off and squeezing them into Pharaoh's cup, and then I handed the cup to Pharaoh. And Joseph said, wow, that's such an amazing dream. Here's what it means. It means in three days, you're going to be lifted up by Pharaoh, and you're going to be restored to your position as the chief cupbearer. And the baker's listening in, and he says, well, that sounds like a pretty, pretty good interpretation to me. It sounds pretty, pretty good. I mean, that's hopeful. Because I can imagine that day. I can, in my mind, picture what could be in the midst of the despair that I find myself in now. So the baker says, well, well here's my dream. He says, I had this dream, and I had these three baskets of bread that were on my head, and I was holding them up, and then these birds started coming down and eating the bread out of the baskets. And Joseph said, well, here's what that dream means. In three days, you're going to be lifted up, and Pharaoh is going to cut off your head, and you're going to be impelled. And, and my guess is the baker said, like, can, can we do a redo? Can I have his interpretation? Can I have his dream? May, maybe we mixed them up. He says, no, that's, that's what's going to happen. And this is, this is fascinating. There's a cupbearer who has the wine. There's a baker who has the bread. And in three days, one of them is going to be hung 
impelled on a cross, and one is going to be saved. Just That's free. Verse 20. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday. And he gave a feast for all his officials, and he lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the baker in the presence of his officials. And he restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. And the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Because as he gives this interpretation of the dream, Joseph says, hey, when you get restored, in those three days, when you get out of here and everything is good again, remember me and tell Pharaoh about me and get me out of here. But in that moment, the cupbearer forgets Joseph. And then verse 1 of 41 says, when two full years past. Pharaoh had a dream. See, he, he goes into this and he says, here's your interpretation, remember me. And then when it looks so positive, I mean, you talk about hope starting to rise a little bit. You give the interpretation, oh, this is perfect. I'm going to be able to do something for this man and he's going to get before Pharaoh and he's going to remember me and everything's going to be good and I'm going to get out of prison. This is how God's going to use this. But the cupbearer forgets Joseph. And Joseph spends two more years waiting. And we've talked about this a little bit in this series, but I can be kind of impatient. I can be kind of impatient with God. Because I pray for something after a couple of days, and I start to wonder, well, God, are you even listening? It's been two years for Joseph. And this journey began at the age of 17. And he's not going to find himself in Pharaoh's palace until he's 30. It's going to be 13 years of waiting. It's going to be 13 years of time spent in slavery as a servant. It's going to be 13 years after he's wrongfully accused when in the right, in the moment, he does the right thing. It's going to be 13 years sitting in a prison cell waiting for God to show up. And after a few weeks, we start to get a little bit impatient. God, where are you? God, are you there? God, are you listening? And Pharaoh, the whole time, has no idea who Joseph is. And Joseph feels forgotten. See, hope is a funny thing 
Because hope is completely on your, based on your ability to imagine what could be. It's based on your ability to look past what is and see what could be. If, if you are a designer, you are probably really good at this. You walk into a room and you start to look around and you have this ability to see the way it could be. And the rest of us are sitting here thinking, gray walls and outdated furniture kind of looks bland and you're sitting here saying no 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 the walls are going to look like this and the lights are going to be like this and it's going to be amazing when my brother-in-law and sister-in-law got married cammy's youngest sister um, they invited my other brother-in-law steve sanders to sing at their wedding Now, something about Steve that you need to know, Steve is a famous opera singer. Very, very, very talented. Has sung in opera houses all over the world, including places like the Met. I have not gotten the call yet. And so they ask him to sing the song, I Cross My Heart. You know, I cross my heart and promise to... Get, that sounds really good, right? That's, that's why I did not get in, invited. So they invited him to sing at the wedding. And so on the rehearsal, we decided to play a little joke. And before the rehearsal that day, Steve and I got together and we recorded me singing, I Cross My Heart. And, and you have to understand... Steve, or the, the, bride, or the groom's family, sorry, Alan's family, had never heard Steve sing. All they've heard is he is an amazing singer. And every family has one of those guys. Oh, he's the singer of the family. And so on the rehearsal, we sit here, and they're, they're up on the stage. Cammie's uncle is performing the wedding, and he's talking through all this stuff. And we get to the part where he is supposed to sing. And so he's standing in the back. And right when the music starts, the most hideous voice begins to sing this song, I Cross My Heart. And everyone is facing this way. And the bride and the groom are sitting here. And the second the song starts playing and the voice starts singing, Cammie's sister puts her hand on her hip and looks over her shoulder. But the funniest thing was the groom's family who's never heard him sing before. Because they have these expectations of what an, a Met singer sounds like. And this is not it. And it ended up being a hilarious joke. Um, there is a recording out there somewhere of it. Um, I, I'm not going to torture you with it. <laughs> I didn't even know when to come in on the different notes and things, and it, it was phenomenal. But, but when you plan something like that, you have these expectations of what it's going to be like. Well, we're going to invite our brother-in-law, who is a world-renowned singer, we're going to allow him to come sing at our wedding because it's going to sound amazing. And then when you get there, and it doesn't quite meet your expectations, there's usually a little bump in the road. 
I think most of the time we come into this world and we have these expectations of what God is going to do and how God is going to act. And there are times that things don't work out the way that we thought they would. See, Joseph begins with this dream at 17 where he's going to reign over his brothers and even his father. They're going to bow down to him. And then he finds himself sold into slavery and things aren't working the way that he thought they should. But then he finds himself in the the house of Potiphar and he finds himself being elevated to this position of power. And then when everything seems to be working out the way that it should, he makes the best decision of his life and he does the right thing in the moment when it seems the most difficult And instead of being celebrated, he's punished. And he finds himself in prison. And in prison, he starts to rise to power again. And then he finds himself in a place where once again, hope seems to be restored. I'm going to give you this dream. I'm going to tell you what it means. And you're going to get out of here. And you're going to remember to tell Pharaoh about me. And everything is going to be okay. And when he leaves prison, For the next two years, Joseph is waiting for the phone call. He's waiting for Pharaoh to say, hey, I heard about this guy in prison. And I want him to come live in my palace and serve me. And it's a call that seems to never But what if we could make a simple shift in our mindset in those difficult times? Because most of the time we find ourselves in those difficult places, our our response is, how could he? God, how could you let me go through this? And maybe that mindset shift is so simple. And instead of how could he, It's what could he. In in the place that I now find myself in, what could God do through me? With, With all the darkness closing in around, with despair so imminent, with death knocking on the door, what could God do in this moment? What could God do far beyond anything I could ever ask or imagine? What could God do if I would simply faithfully take the next step in following Him? And so instead of asking the question, how could He? Why not ask the question, what could He? What could God do in the midst of my brokenness, in the midst of my hurt, in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my sorrow, when it seems like everything is lost, when it seems like everything is falling apart, what could God do? Because one of the things I think you all know is what you look for, you will find. What you look for, you will find. If you want to be skeptical, there is plenty of things to be skeptical about. If you want to be cynical, there will be plenty of things to be cynical about. 
But if you want to believe that God is at work, that he is providing, that he is taking care of you, that he is making a way in the midst of the darkness, then maybe, just maybe, we will begin to see him do it. See, I believe at the core, that's what evangelism is. That's what it means to share hope with people. One of my favorite authors is a guy named Leonard Sweet. And he calls evangelism a nudge. It's simply nudging people along the path, nudging them along in their journey. He says this, Evangelism is an invitation for broken people together to meet the Christ who loves broken people. We are all damaged but loved, crushed but cherished with divine embrace. When love is the motivation for evangelism, nudging is love in action. And the cracks of our broken vases are where Jesus leaks out first. Evangelism is awakening each other to the God who is already there. Evangelism is nudging people to pay attention to the mission of God in their lives and to the necessity of responding to that initiative in ways that birth new realities and the new birth. That is what evangelism, it's in our brokenness. And and what I would imagine about you, your greatest ministry has come from your greatest miseries. The places where you have been broken and hurt, you have the ability to speak into people's lives who have been there where you were. To love them and to offer the words, I know what you're going through. I I understand your hurt. I understand your pain. I understand your doubt because I have been there too. And maybe one of the most beautiful things we get to do as followers of Jesus is point to all the ways that God is at work in and around us that we never see if we never simply look up. Jesus finds himself with this woman at the well in John chapter 4. And the disciples come to him and they're questioning and they're wondering. And Jesus looks at these disciples and he says, you need to open your eyes. Literally, it means lift up your head. Because they have this tendency to keep looking down and looking to see where they are and what the circumstances are. And Jesus simply says to them, lift up your eyes and look around you because the fields are ripe for harvest. We we have this tendency to look around us and see our circumstances, to see our brokenness and get lost in the darkness. And hope's greatest gift is the ability to look up and see what could be. It's to look up and to see the world not as it is, but as it will be and should be and could be. And God has invited us as his followers to be builders of that new world. It's that new world that's growing that we read about just a few minutes ago. He says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning is in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption from our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. 
who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through our wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. I think it's important. It's not that He works all things for good, but that He works in all things for good. Because here's the thing. You cannot change the past. You cannot change what has already happened. And we spend so much of our time asking God, how could you do this? Rather than imagining what He could do as we find ourselves in these difficult places. See, sin is the ultimate destroyer of hope because it brings us to the imminent reality of death. We we see in sin that death is imminent, that it is all around us, and this world is broken, broken and longing to be restored. And maybe more than anything else, when we look, we see despair. Maybe the most important thing you need to hear this morning is lift up your head. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. God is at work in this world. The question is, are we aware of it? Are we looking for the places where He is at work and is moving? See, in this moment, when death seems so imminent, Jesus takes the worst that death has to offer, the worst that sin can do, and He takes it upon Himself, but He doesn't repay it with evil. He forgives it. He he forgives it with these words, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. In, In the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the despair, it's not look at the circumstances. It's imagine. Imagine what God could do if I will embrace His ways and forgive. What would it look like in our world if followers of Jesus took that seriously? And as things are said, as things are done, as people hurt you, as people criticize you, as people betray you, that we don't respond to the evil with evil but we respond with love and forgiveness. Because what we see in the cross is that there is a power greater than sin and death. And it's love. It's love and it's forgiveness. 
And when Jesus calls his disciples to pray, he says, teach them to forgive as I have forgiven. God, I want to forgive as you have forgiven. And in fact, he even says, pray for it. Pray that God would forgive you in the way that you forgive. That's a pretty scary prayer. But it's something that has to be formed within us. Do you have the ability to see beyond your circumstances? To see what could be? Because one of the things I think we learn in Joseph's story is if you will be faithful, God will make you fruitful. But that fruitfulness might not ever look like you expected it to look. But if you will be faithful, God will make you fruitful. And here's the beauty of it. Here's the beauty of hope and seeing to what could be. You will never know just how far that faithfulness might reach. You may never see the people that are affected by the faithfulness of your next step. You may never know who that faithfulness will reach for generations to come. Because one of the things we see in Joseph's story is that people will be blessed because of his faithfulness for generations and generations. It will sustain people through a famine and it will lead them into a place of slavery and on the other side, a promised land. You will never know just how far your faithfulness might reach. And in this story, the whole time, we see the Lord was with Joseph. See, he was with Joseph in the dream. He was with Joseph when he was betrayed and sold. He was with Joseph as he found himself as a slave and a servant. He was with Joseph as he was elevated into a place of prominence. He was with Joseph when he was wrongfully accused. He was with Joseph in a prison cell. And he will be with Joseph as he leads Egypt. And he was with Moses in a burning bush and on the backside of the desert. And he was with Moses as he confronted Pharaoh and as he crossed through the Red Sea. And he's with David as David made the wrong choice and gave in to the temptation. And he was with David as he was running for his life from King Saul. And he will be with you. He will be with you when death is imminent. And he will be with you as you celebrate new life. He will be with you when you are lost and searching and questioning everything about His goodness, and He will be with you when you are celebrating and everything in your life seems great. He will be with you when you are betrayed and accused. He will be with you when everyone speaks well of you. He will be with you in the good, and He will be with you in the bad. The Lord was with Joseph, and the one thing you need to know is God will be with you. 
Father, today, we do pray that you would be with us, that you would surround your people with love and mercy and forgiveness and embrace us. Father, allow us to know that we are loved. Father, we thank you that you took the full weight of our sin. You took it upon yourself and you forgave it. You allowed sin to do its worst and you turned the other cheek. You went the second mile. You forgave as God has forgiven. And Father, in you, in the cross, we see the perfect example of what life looks like. May we as your followers look more and more like you every single day. And Father, restore to us the hope of salvation that we find in Christ and in Christ alone. We pray in his name. Amen. If you've never given your life to Christ, we offer you that invitation this morning. Come to him, be washed in his blood, and begin life anew. But if we could pray for you in any way, we have our ministry staff, our shepherds are going to be moving um, to the back of the auditorium in just a few, few moments. Um, but if you have any need, come while we stand and sing.